Hello, hey guys, welcome to an episode of Yesterday's Capers. My name is Abdullah Molim, and this is the podcast that you never knew you needed in your life. We'll be looking back at some of the best cartoons and TV shows from around the world. And every week, we'll be taking two shows from an era gone by, or we might even be doing a show from this kind of era, and we're putting them up against each other. And giving that extra bit of love to some of the best TV shows that ever graced our screens. Trust me, I spent so much of my childhood just sitting down in front of the TV, watching a wide range of cartoons and TV shows. And honestly, I don't think I can actually tell you what my favorite TV program is because there's just so much to choose from. And partly the reason why I'm doing a podcast. Who knows, maybe I'll find out what my favorite TV show is. And this is where Yesterday's Capers comes in. We'll be looking back at some of the best iconic shows ever, and they're gonna bring back some incredible, amazing memories. And before I start the podcast, I'm just gonna go on a little bit of a ramble and just say thank you so much to everybody that's had my back, that has supported me. I just wanna say thank you very much to my sister Ashraf, who's helped me along the way with advice, my brother-in-law, Paul, he's kind of, he's sitting here with me. He's been there from the beginning. I want to thank the people who helped me out on my GoFundMe page. So people like Andrea, people like Mel, people like Mohammed Remley, and <laughs> my little nephew, Isa, even he made a donation. So yeah, thank you so much for that kid. And I honestly believe that this podcast is going to bring back so many memories bring smiles on your faces. I'm onto something here. So come with me on this journey and let's see how far we can go. Right, I'm going to get into this podcast and I've got with me my partner in crime, really. It's Chris from America. So, hey, Chris, if you want to tell the people who you are and what you're about and floor's yeah. yours, mate. Yeah, sure. Hey, Abs, what's up, man? I'm just uh, ready to go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Chris Reeves. Um, I'm specifically in Dallas, Texas. Um, so yeah, I'm similar. I've grown up with all cartoons, like all over the place, like always watching cartoons and kids shows. I still watch a lot of cartoons, a lot of the modern stuff. Uh, my go-to channel is probably Boomerang uh, when I'm flipping channels. Um Probably my all-time favorite is one that we are talking about later, Top Cat. Always. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but there's not many of the old classic cartoons that I don't really like. Um, some episodes I would like more than others, of course, but um, most of them I like some part of it. I'm a huge animation junkie. I watch a lot of uh, Japanese stuff too, Miyazaki films, uh, anime. Um so if it's animated, there's some part of it I probably like. So um, separately from animation, I have a long background in marketing and, you know, uh, spent time as a musician. So um, my background is a little all over the place, but I'm really excited to be talking cartoons and doing that because most of the time I don't get to. My wife certainly is tired of hearing about me talk <laughs> cartoons. She would love this podcast then. Right, right. So yeah, let's She's, just yeah. Sorry, no, no. mate. 
No, go ahead. I was just going to say she's super excited that I'm talking to someone else about all this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's just get right into it and start with one of the greatest cartoons, in my opinion, of all time. It's probably the most famous cat and mouse duo in pop culture. And that obviously is Tom and Jerry. So a little bit of background. It first came onto the screens in February 1940 and it was produced by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. We're going to hear that name a lot throughout doing this yesterday's capers. Hannah and Barbera, they have done some of the, the greatest TV programs, including the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, Top Cat. Honestly, the list goes on. And then obviously we'll talk about Tom and Jerry. We'll talk about the Fred Quimby era. We'll talk about the Chuck Jones era. And obviously you had the Tom and Jerry show with Hannah and Barbera in 1975. And then we kind of went back to Tom and Jerry kids in the 1990s. And I think some of the things to kind of sort of talk about in terms of what happened during 1940 was the first Captain America also came out in 1940. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's the one with um, Captain America punching Hitler in the face. I think it's like, (laughs) yeah, one of the, the most iconic comic book strips of all time. I think that was probably the thing that's all come out in 1940. And... Obviously, Tom and Jerry is American. So I'll start with you, Chris. What comes to mind when we're talking about Tom and Jerry? I mean, there's a lot. Like, I've watched so much Tom and Jerry, you know, in my years on this planet. Um, you know, I used to watch Tom and Jerry with my my dad, you know, back when I was, you know, six, seven years old. Um, I didn't really know what I was watching. I didn't know the era or the difference between, you know, Chuck Jones or Fred Quimby or anything like that. It would just, you know, play episodes or whatever. Um, but that was probably as early as I remember watching Tom and Jerry. Um, I remember, though, that I really got into Tom and Jerry when uh, Cartoon Network first started. What is that, like 94, 95, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably about the same for some other shows, too. Um, cause I was like 12 or 13. So I'm really like forming memories at that point. And so I remember that like, that was the only channel I would watch like all the time, whatever cartoon was on. So there was a ton of Tom and Jerry back then, but it was a similar thing that I was then also not fully aware. I could tell the difference in like animation style, but not who it was or anything. And I didn't have a preference. Um, so I can probably talk about it longer and longer, but that's probably (laughs) enough for now. (laughs) I think for me anyway, Tom and Jerry, I think the Fred Quimby era really, in my opinion, epitomizes Tom and Jerry. It kind of makes it, you know, with with the music, with the way certain things are, are done with the actual show. And also, I think it's the the one that I kind of associate Tom and Jerry with the most. I think obviously the Chuck Jones era is very significant in and of itself. I think Chuck Jones had a pretty good run with Tom and Jerry and what he did. But I think with Fred Quimby, I think it kind of sort of shows in the fact that they won so many awards for certain episodes that they did. So that was something that for me kind of, it it defines Tom and Jerry. And I think overall it's one of what the highest grossing, like shows, cartoons of all time. So I think it's one of those where it's really, really iconic and 
as soon as it came out onto our screens, it was just one of those where, yeah, you're going you're to love Tom and Jerry. You're going to love how iconic it is, how incredible it is. And also you'll love the fact that so many people from so many generations could like watch Tom and Jerry. They would really sort of get into it. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. You could just sit down with your family and just watch Tom and Jerry. And yeah, that's yeah. what we used to do when we were kids. We'd just all be together as family and watch Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you're right about the Fred Quimby era. Um, it definitely is what defines the show. But um, that's not necessarily my favorite era. But uh, most people, when they think of Tom and Jerry, that's the type of era they're going to be talking about, whether they realize it or not. Um, certainly, it's not like the show wasn't doing well during other times. But that's definitely when it like took off. But I mean, that's probably because it was one of the first ones, you know, starting that long ago, like in the 40s. There's not a ton of choices, right? So it was like, wow, what is this that I'm watching? This is nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that's my my personal preference would be the Chuck Jones era is my favorite. It's not as historically significant. I just find it uh, more interesting because the Fred Quimby stuff is a good like foundation, but then the sixties were all about like experimentation and going crazy. And so Chuck Jones's animation style had all these like crazy backgrounds and a lot of like what more like extreme visual gags. And the style was like almost more fluid kind of. And there was also a lot more like parody stuff. Like there was one I, I was going back and looking at um, last night the mouse from H U N G E R, the mouse from Hunger. It's 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 a play on the man from Uncle, and and Jerry um, is he's like a spy and he's trying to steal Tom's cheese. Like he's got like a like a just like he stored a bunch of cheese, and so he there's all these like crazy spy gags. Um, it's almost a little bit more like James Bond, even like he's got all these gadgets and stuff, and so th- they let him like. Chuck Jones do a lot of like experimentation that I find interesting now that I'm like older, not like a teenager or a young kid. Um, but I agree with you. Fred Quimby definitely defined what it is because without that, there would be nothing for Chuck Jones to like no rules for him to like break and change. So, but I think as well, cause like I say, Tom and Jerry, won seven Academy Awards for best short right. subject. So the Yankee Doodle Mouse won, Mouse Trouble, Quiet Please, The Cat Concerto, which is an absolute mm-hmm. classic, The Little Orphan, Two Musketeers. And I think thinking about it and deciding, I honestly, I'm going to say Johan Mouse is my favorite Tom and Jerry episode of all time. I just think yeah, yeah. the way the story was told, the way it kind of sort of had a nice little background story to it. So it was kind of set in Vienna where Jerry's not called Jerry. He's called Johan because he's mm-hmm. living with the master Johan Strauss. I, I, it's just, if that, if there is one episode, I would definitely say go out and check out that episode. And also I think Heavenly Puss is, I think that might be my mom's favorite Tom and Jerry episode. Which one is that? 
That's the one where basically a piano drops on Tom's head because he's busy chasing after Jerry. And so he goes into the pearly gates and obviously the guys are uh, there going, you know, yeah. you can't go into heaven unless you make it right with Jerry. Yeah, and yeah. this is where I am team Tom all day long. Like Jerry could have forgave Tom. It was one of those things where Tom was going, look, I know a lot of things happened in the past. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get to a better place. Help your boy out. And mm. Jerry's just kind of like, mm, whatever. You know, I'm going to let you rot in hell with the dog who, you know, I think Spike was playing the devil in, in the, in the kind of the role. And it was just, cause obviously if you think, Oh, I'm team Tom or I'm team Jerry, that's for me the, the one thing you should take away and be like, I am team Tom all day because Jerry is, he's just horrible. <laughs> that just shows how I mean, horrible he is. I actually think they're both pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Because the reason he's in that situation is because he did all that bad stuff. We, we were talking yesterday, like, planning for this. And you were telling me about the the one that you like. Um, where oh, Johan Maus. Well, no, you were telling me that other one that's uh, from Chuck Jones where... Oh, he, okay, yeah. Where he's out in the... Where uh, Jerry's out in the... The snow. Yeah, yeah, that one. And Tom decides to, like, let him come in. Yeah. Which is really nice of Tom. That was a lovely episode. Yeah, it's a really good one. Uh, But at the same time, you don't watch that and think, like, wow, Jerry's going to be, like, cool. And they're going to be, like, nice to each other now. No, like, Jerry's still going to be a total jerk. Like, there's no, like... You you have no view on thinking that all of a sudden their personalities change and they're best friends or something. Yeah. But I just think it was, it was one of those where I thought it was really, I think for me, it's probably the one Chuck Jones, Tom and Jerry that I, that really stood out for me, really struck a chord with me. I think it was kind of telling the really good story. And then in the end, it's kind of like, it's really sort of cool. And it's like, Oh, Tom is going to help Jerry out. And then he's kind of playing music and kind of Jerry sort of dancing. And it's just kind of like, they can be friends sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, like an alternate universe type thing or something like, okay, we're this version of them are friends, but in reality over here, this version hates each other. But I do, I do like seeing that sometimes, but I'm not really on team either one. Cause they're both jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Definitely. And also, I think with Tom, I, I one of the episodes that I really, really love as well, again, it's Solid Serenade. Obviously, this is the one where Tom, he's trying to sort of get to boots with Toodles Galore, which is his love interest. And he's basically singing, is you is or is you ain't my baby? Like that, that, that episode is just, it's awesome. I love the lyrics. I think it starts with, I got a girl who's always late. And it's just like, that is such a mood. And he's like, you know, I've got a girl who's always late. And it's like, come on, like, is you is or is you ain't my baby? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get more straightforward and straight shooting as that, really. And then obviously that goes down the pan for Tom as well. Because it's like he's singing Wakes Up Jerry. And basically Jerry teams up with Spike. And basically him and Spike just team up to make Tom's life a misery. And then it kind of ends with Spike trying to serenade Miss Toodles. 
Yeah. Well, it's also interesting is they they're using that song like it wasn't an issue to like get licensing and a whole thing back then um, <laughs> from like from Louis Armstrong, right? They Wait, just pro- is that a real song? I think it yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah, I it's a Louis that- Armstrong song. Yeah, yeah. Wow, because you know it's funny enough. I was looking at it the other day, and then it was like, is it a real song? And then I think I might have seen that it was, and then I was like, okay, it might not be because you know it's just it's so like spoofish. Like he's just literally there in the guitar, and he's got this, you know, over exaggerated like Louis Armstrong ish voice going, "Is your way, so is your way, my baby?" You know, it's just like, you know, Tom doesn't really sound like that, but it just, yeah, it's one of those ways. Is so awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been like a lot of versions of it. Like it's kind of like one of those old like blues jazz standard things, but there's definitely like multiple. Uh, I think that one is specifically Louis Armstrong, but yeah, it uh, could be BB King. I know he has a version too, but anyway, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have to like get the rights or anything, <laughs> you know, that they didn't worry about that type of stuff till probably like the nineties, maybe the eighties. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, we we'll kind of sort of segue nicely into that. So like in terms of Tom and Jerry and like the impact they had on like society and race and like some of the. Some of the things that they would show on the clips, like I remember like they'd have like black faces if like any of the characters get into a, a big old accident. Right. Obviously you had Mammy Two Shoes, who was kind of based on Hattie McDonald or Mac- McDaniel. Yeah, she was in mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind and actually did win an Academy Award for her role. So obviously, you know, you had Thomas, you know, with the yeah. again, the embellished sort of black woman voice. You don't really see her face, you just see her feet. And obviously I think she's a maid and obviously you got that. And then again, it was just like, just basic things where you just, I think there's one episode I remember, like they get run over or something and then like all mud goes on their face and it just goes on their face and it's just like, they just look like, you know, the eyes and the black face and just like those kind of things. And again, you're just, you're kind of watching that and you're kind of thinking like, oh my God, you know, that, that would never be kind of shown in 2019. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like doesn't exist now. They, like, no. they, anything they release, they've stripped, taken all that stuff out. Yeah. I think Whoopi Goldberg in one of the disclaimers of Tom and Jerry, she kind of was like, the cartoons you're about to see are products of their time. They may depict some of the ethnic and racial prejudices that were commonplace in US society. These depictions were wrong then and they are wrong today. While the following does not represent the Warner Brothers view of today's society, these cartoons are being represented as they were originally created because to do so otherwise would be the same as claiming that these prejudices never existed. So I think that's the thing that Whoopi Goldberg had said in the kind of DVDs. And also I think when Joseph Barbera was kind of asked about it, he was kind of like, you know, this is the racial gag of the day. This is not my personal view, but this is what is society. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you know, it might kind of be a cop out, but it's kind of like he's making a point that this is how, you know, they'd have the minstrels and the exaggerated faces. So he's kind of like looking at it and like, that is how they kind of used to be. Right. And then I think with nowadays, you watch Tom and Jerry, I think Mammy Two Shoes now has an Irish accent and any of the sort of black faces and things like that are just completely, completely taken away. So I think that's, I guess that's the way that they think, you know what, that's how we're going to sort of move on. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the, the more current stuff, 
even in like uh i don't want to keep talking about it but those are the ones i mostly watched <laughs> yesterday with chuck jones but even as early as that but now like the new stuff tom and jerry kids and all that yeah obviously they're not doing any of these type of gags anymore because no, no, no. you shouldn't really do it but you know as as early as the 60s they weren't really doing it anymore mm. i mean it's a shame that they don't actually show it now on tv because I think from 1967 in this country, like the BBC used to show Tom and Jerry. So from 1967 till about 2001, every Saturday or Sunday, without fail, there'd always be a couple of Tom and Jerry episodes that would kind of be as a filler. Like they would just, for example, I think a program would come on at like 5.30. So between sort of like 5.15 and 5.30, they'd kind of show one or two episodes of Tom and Jerry. And just throughout the sort of weekend that like you just always without fail would be able to, to watch Tom and Jerry. So that's like from what, 1971, which is about what, 34 years, if my maths is correct. So that's obviously quite a long period of time that they used to show it. And yeah. I think now it's kind of sort of moved on to satellite television. And Yeah. I mean, they definitely show it, but it's on like boomerang or something now. So and obviously, do you remember the names that Tom and Jerry used to have before they were called Tom and Jerry? Oh, no, I don't actually. But I feel like you're about to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Yeah. So Tom was Jasper. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Jerry was Jinx. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. remember the very first ever episode, Puss Gets the Boot, she's like, you know, Jasper, you better yeah. not let that mouse get in the house. You know, that's, that's right. how she used to kind of be in this yeah, and then obviously, you know, they have the sadistic tendencies and it's just... Uh. But yeah, I mean, that's that's Tom and Jerry, really. And yeah, so any any sort of lasting memories you have of Tom and Jerry? Um, well, first of all, so that one was like the pilot, right? The Puss Gets the Boot, yeah. That yeah, was yeah, the yeah, very yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's no way I would have ever remembered Jasper and Jinx, so I'm glad you, you had that ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've seen that one. It's just been a long time. Um, you know, I don't know, uh, lasting memories. Um, there was a time when I was trying to really like get into drawing and animation and I was really trying to emulate, um, funny enough, not the Chuck Jones stuff. Cause I felt like <laughs> I, I probably couldn't cause I've never really been able to draw that well, but I was really convinced yeah. I was going to learn. So I was more of the, um, the early stuff, hmm. maybe not necessarily Quimby, I'm forgetting the name of the person in between Quimby and uh, Chuck Jones, but it, they, they, the style wasn't that different from Quimby. But um, I know it was Dean Gene Gene Dyche. Yeah, that's the one. Him, yeah, yeah, so yeah there was the four one. of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, so I spent I don't know six years really convinced I was going to learn how to draw in that style. Never really happened, but that's an interesting memory that I. I kind of forgot about until maybe yesterday I had like a Tom and Jerry art book and I was just trying to replicate stuff in that book. Nice. Yeah. But the bummer is that, uh, back in 2008, this apartment I was living in on my own got flooded and so, some of the books that I had like mm. that got ruined in the flood. Oh no. So it's like, yeah, insurance paid me a little money, but it's like, that doesn't replace it. Like that book is out of print now. Yeah. So otherwise I would have shown it to you. <laughs> <laughs>
So before we move on to the head-to-head, I caught up with Ismail Sal to talk about cartoons, his childhood, and what he's up to now. Yeah, so Ismail, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having and me. And having a chat. Thank you for having let's, me. Let's just start from the beginning, really. Okay. So like, let's talk about your childhood and what okay. that was like. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, my mother and father are from Jamaica. They're from the Windrush generation. Um, they came in the late 50s, early 60s. My, mom, my dad came in the late 1950s. Then he saved up and he brought my mum by plane in the early 60s. And um, I'm the last of six siblings. So I was the baby of the family. And we grew up in Wilsdon, northwest London. And um, it was a Christian family, as I said. I used to go Sunday school. But my parents, they followed a school of thought whereby saying you don't need to go church to say that, you're, that you believe in God. They believe that the church is in their hearts. So I'm not saying my, my parents were perfect Christians. I'm not saying, but at the same time, they, they instilled a lot, of, a lot of values. So we had to do pray before we eat, before we go to bed, we had to pray. Um, and my, you'd hear my dad in conversations and my mom said, Lord, God, please bless me with this. So the, the regular prayer. Um, so that's, and then, so I grew up in Northwest London and the community that we grew up in was predominantly a Windrush West Indian community based in Chapter Road, Wilsdon, Northwest London. And our families, are f- mostly our fathers, would meet up on a Sunday around this time and go to uh, Mr. Wright's house where he would have like a, a, a so-called pub in his house. Because when my parents came in the Windrush generation, many of them were ostracized from pubs. So what happened is many, um, not many, yeah, quite a few people in the Caribbean community, they would have like a local in-house so-called pub. And this would be called like a shabin. And so what would happen, Mr. Wright, he would have one room where he would cut, uh, cut my hair and another room where his wife, my godmother, Mrs. Wright, where she would serve alcohol and drinks. And that's where all my dad's friends would meet and where I would meet the sons and daughters of my other dad's friends. So it was like a community and that's where I grew up. And then in secondary school, primary school, my primary school was predominantly Asian, Hindu. I, um, as I was growing up as a Christian, I did see there was some resentment between the Muslims and the Christian Asians. Um, but I never could put my foot on it, um, what exactly it was. Um, the only Muslim of African heritage that was around me was a, a Somalian brother called Mahdi Jama. Um, who joined us in year year four. Um, and then he came with me to secondary school, South Kilburn. South Kilburn was different because South Kilburn was predominantly Afro-Caribbean as well. So where by, it was reggae music was a big um, contributing factor, raga music, sound system music, um, the keywords, if people ever looked them up, called Saxon, Coxon, um, these like urban poets. And then when our dear friend came from another school called Jason, he said, have you guys heard of hip hop? And we said, look, what's, we're not into this hip hop. We're into reggae music. We're of Jamaican heritage. We don't know about, and Jason was a very, um, how can I say, assertive guy. And because he himself was of Jamaican heritage, he said, no, no, you guys need to listen to hip hop. So he used to play us um, Grandmaster Flash. And then we got into hip hop. So, and then at that time, there was someone called Smiley Culture, 
and Tipper Irie, their songs were going into mainstream pop charts and it was like showcase. We used to watch Lenny Henry. So as a family, we used to sit down together, watch Lenny Henry on TV because we were seeing, oh my gosh, they're showing our Jamaican culture on BBC and we would see, watch Top of the Pops as a family. Um, yeah, so our family, So because I've got five other siblings, so of course there were arguments. I would go out and borrow my brother's clothes because I was a bit tall for my age and my brother was eight years older than me, so I used to borrow his clothes. Um, and of course, when you're a teenager, you go dating, so you had that as well. And yeah, I would say that would be my childhood. And in terms of the cartoons, what kind of cartoons were on the TV? Whoa, cartoons up? now. Yes, now you're talking. Um, so cartoons I liked growing up was He-Man, Danger Mouse, um, and then when I got older, Thundercats. Um, then there was one called Visionaries that was on for a short while, maybe one or two, one or two series that came on. They were my favorite cartoons, but one cartoon that I always like, always like, and sometimes I even watch it today with my kids, Tom and Jerry. I don't know why. There's something about Tom and Jerry. Cool. So I think it's one of those cartoons that sort of transcends yeah. generations. Yeah. Like even my mom. Yeah. Even like my grandma, yeah. like us, yeah. even my little cousins now, we yeah. just all watch Tom and Jerry. And yeah. not like the new Tom and Jerry, but we're talking like Fred but, Quimby, yeah. 1940s, 1950s yeah. Tom yeah. and Jerry. And even when I think back now, just talking to you now, because I never realised we were talking about this, I used to, we used to go to the cinema, I used to go to the cinema with my older sisters to watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Dwarfs, is like a point of I used to love that. Um, the Disney classics, basically. We used to go to the cinema to watch those. So I really used to enjoy those cartoons. So Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, um, Sleeping Beauty. We used to watch those in the cinema. So, yeah. And so in terms of Tom and Jerry, is there a particular iconic episode or a moment that you look back and thought, man, that is awesome? No, I'd be straight. I can't think of a... <laughs> iconic one but it's just it's just one of those cartoons I could just watch no matter how old I am if I've got like a spare half an hour hour at home the kids are out playing with their friends and my wife's doing what she's doing and if I've just got a little chill time at home and there's nothing on and I just see something and I see a Tom and Jerry I would flick and watch it yeah because it, it would be on like on the Saturday just yeah. before a, t a TV program would come on yeah they'd have like the fillers and it'll be Tom and Jerry randomly yeah on the Saturday or the Sunday yeah and now with um, cable TV there's um, I can't remember the channel there was, Boomerang no um, they used to show Smurfs because my daughter used to like watching the Smurfs and this channel I can't remember if I can remember right I can't remember, it's a cartoon channel on Sky they used to play Tom and Jerry I'm sure it's Boomerang um, Maybe it's Boomerang, but there's another one. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's Boomerang. I can't remember the name, but there's another one. That, so I, that's when I start because my daughter when I cut, when I turn on the TV, it's on this channel. I think, oh god, and they, oh boy, oh, Tom and Jerry. So I'm telling my daughter, yeah, I used to watch this, and she says, oh okay, and I see she's not really interested, but yeah. Oh, are you Team Tom or Team Jerry? Um, Jerry. Really? Yeah. Even though Jerry. It's just going out of his way to make Tom's life miserable. Yeah, but because he's a he's a he's a he's a mouse, and he's just yeah. For some reason, I just like Jerry. I don't know why. <laughs> I like Jerry. I'm as you can tell, I'm I'm Team Tom. But, yeah, I gathered that. Yeah, I, 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 I think I'm going to be in the minority on that one, <laughs> definitely, because no one no one will kind of see my way of thinking in the world. Yeah, because I just think every time I watch Tom and Jerry, it's just basically Tom 
is minding his own business. Yeah. He's trying to do something or he's been instructed to do something. And Jerry just gets in his way every yeah. single time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd be straight. Most of the time I am neutral, but if I had to choose, I had to choose Jerry. I don't know why. That's yeah, Jerry. You mentioned your daughter, so do you actually show some of these old programming to your Yeah, my daughter, like she is her that um she comes to me and she's like, I always tell my daughter, don't you could ask me anything. Don't feel shy. I'm, I'm not gonna promise I'm gonna answer it or I'm gonna say yes, but I just want you to feel that you could ask me anything. And so we have this session once a week, ask me anything. So we do it with her and my son. And so one day she asked me, Daddy, what cartoons did you used to watch? So I, sh- I told her, He-Man. Um, and so when she hears a name that she likes and is not on TV, thank God for YouTube, I show her a clip on YouTube. And she said, oh, I used to watch that. So um, I'm trying to think of a cartoon. There's a cartoon um, we was watching. So because Dan- Danger Mouse has returned. Um, but um, she never ever watched it. So I said, yeah, I like Danger Mouse. And she said, oh, I can't remember it. But I said, it's on TV. So I had to go on YouTube and show it to her. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So um, if you could bring back a cartoon, yeah, what would it be? So if I could bring back one cartoon, it would be a cartoon called Visionaries. They only saw two series, two short series. They'd like to show six or, six or seven um, episodes in a series called Visionaries. There was, these were like futuristic robots who used to fight against the forces of evil. So they had like, like a plasma TV screen on their chests and where they would have like visions, like they'd have someone like a tiger or a lion who would fight on their behalf. I think these cartoons that I'm talking about 16 years ago, 16 years coming back to me. But yeah, I'll bring Very that back. slowly. And Thundercats. I used to love Thundercats. That's it. I used to love Thundercats. I'm getting quite Every lost. Thursday, four o'clock. I'm at home, Thundercats. Yeah. I'm actually getting quite a lot of people who like Thundercats. Thundercats, man. And What's lastly, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons was excellent. Okay, I think I know Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. but but honestly, I'm not I'm not I'm not joking. Like the amount of people that I've spoken to who love Thundercats. Yeah, and I'm just like, I remember it, and it's like, I mean, it wasn't that good in, my <laughs> in your opinion. opinion. No, no, it, yeah, yeah. I, I, I must I must preface <laughs> yeah, by saying, yeah. in my opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't. Don't shoot me, you know, but it's like, uh, but for me, I don't know, Thundercats was just, it was just there. Yeah, no, Thundercats, that used to be my show. Every Thursday, so I remember, four o'clock, or four, no, 4.20. All right, yeah, thank you so much. No problem. Coming on, and where can we follow you on socials? On Instagram, you can follow us at The Salam Project, so it's at T-H-E-S-A-L-A-M, Project, P-R-O-J-E-C-T, same with Twitter, at the Salam Project, at same on Instagram. Oh, sorry, Facebook at the Salam Project. We got two one. We got two Facebooks. One's at the Salam Project, and we got another one at the Salam Project hyphen UK. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. Handala. Thanks a lot. Bless. Peace. Let's, let's now go on to the actual fun part of the show, which is the head-to-head. So, like I said, every week we're going to get two shows and we're going to compare and contrast and we're going to sort of decide between ourselves which one is the best. So I think let's go with Top Cat first. 
came onto okay. our screens first in September 1961. Obviously, the theme song was the most effectual Top Cat. Com- produced Leader and- of the gang. Yes, that one. He's the one. He's the tip. He's the championship. He's the most tip. Top. Top Cat. Yeah. Hoyt, Ho- Hoyt Curtin. God, I can't. I can't say anything now yet. Hoyt Curtin was the one who composed it. And obviously some of the world events that happened during that time was Richard Nixon made a hole-in-one playing golf at the Ballet Country Club, which, oh. as you know, 1961 was maybe a pretty slow year. And then again, yeah. you got the WWF, not the wrestling, but the World Wildlife Fund for Nature was founded in Switzerland and the Berlin Wall was complete which kind of hung over Berlin ominously for about, what, 28 years until it got taken down by David Hasselhoff. I don't care what anyone says. He was one that brought the wall down, not Ronald Reagan. It was David Hasselhoff. He did it. Yeah, that that killer jam that he played up on the wall, definitely. (laughs) Good stuff, good stuff. And yeah, so obviously with Top Cat, I want to try and play a little game. This is basically... Let's see if we can try and say Top Cat in different languages. Oh, boy. So what do you think Top Cat is in Spanish? Uh, uh, gato. I don't know what Top is, though. So let's say like... Well, yeah. So El in, Top Gato. You know what it is? It's actually Don Gato y su, uh, pan, y su Pandilla, which literally means Mr. Cat and his gang. Mm. And so wow, French... Very cool. French is... Uh, oh, boy, that's tough. I don't know much French, so... It's Le Chat. Oh, Le Chat, okay. And, okay, so I'll run through these, because you probably won't get any of them now. Um, hey, whoa, wait, hey, I'm a man of the world, I might. Okay, then how would you say it in Japanese? Oh, uh, Neko is cat. Uh, You're actually I don't quite know. close. I don't know top though. That's yeah, so a, I'm, uh, I'm trying to learn Japanese right now. Actually, it's literally it translates to straight cat boss. So it's Dora Neko Taisho. Ah, uh, Dora Neko Kaisho. Yeah, Kaisho. Cool. I like right. Portuguese is my favorite. Yeah, Manda I definitely won't know Chuva. that one. Manda Chuva Man- is top cat in Portuguese. Man- Romanian Man- is super pisic. Oh. Italian wow. is top gatini. And top Gattini. Yeah, Top Gattini, yeah. <laughs> the most effectual Top Cat, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. what else? Uh, Canadian French is Top Chaton. Top Chaton. Again, makes a, yeah, which I'm sure in Montreal, that's how they would kind of say Top Cat. And yeah, so German is Super Kata. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, super. Yes, yeah, Super Kata. And Polish, last one, is Kosia Ferrania. Which I think is Top Cat. Wow, cool. There's a Top Cat in different languages. I can't stop thinking about them talking to Mr. Dibble in, in like French. <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, be like, yeah, Mr. Dibble. Yeah, and he'd be like, oh, Monsieur Top Cat, attention. You know? Yeah, yeah. I would be wow. using the phones and all that. So, and, and do you know the names of Top Cat's companions or psychics? I mean, not in other languages. I, I mean, no, in, uh, in English, in English. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, uh, let's see, there's Choo Choo. There's, um, Choo Choo's my favorite. Yeah, Benny the Ball. Yeah. Uh, Brain. Isn't there one like Fancy? Or fancy, like fancy, fancy. 
Fancy, yeah, fancy, fancy. Uh, there's one more. I don't remember that. Was, uh, yeah, oh, I was yeah, so close. Yeah. I was about to say so ghost. close. Yeah, I, was about to yeah, say yeah. Ghost. I, I, I do. I do think Choo Choo is definitely my favorite. I just think the way he is, and he's like, "Hey, TC, we got yeah, a real yeah. problem here." Yeah, he's like, or, a, or Brain. Actually, Brain is my favorite because obviously Brain is daft. I don't know why yeah. they call him Brain. He's like, uh, "Hey, TC, uh, what happened? Did, did, did something fall on my head?" And it's like. You know, yeah, yeah, it obviously did. Like, it obviously like, hit you What's the, the matter with your brain? You just knocked something on your head. What is it? That's my <laughs> top cat impression, which isn't as good as my uh, brain impression. It's a pretty good brain, though. Yeah, it is. Just like yeah, just droopy eyes, really boring. Uh, yeah. Did something fall on my head, TC? Yeah. Oh, is is the Maharaja here yet, TC? You know. Oh, the Maharaja. That's a yes, good one. the Maharaja of Pukaji. I think that's like. Probably one of the most classic episodes of Top Cat. Probably my favorite, actually. I would actually go and just say, you know what, that is, that is definitely my favorite. Obviously, in, in that episode, it's basically Officer Dibble. He's been tasked to look after the Maharaja of Pukaji, who's visiting town. And what the Maharaja likes to do, he likes to give out expensive rubies instead of money. So all he just goes around and just gives everybody rubies. And he's staying at the Sherry Plaza Hotel. And obviously, TC basically wants the ru- the rubies. So he's basically, you know, going, oh, find out where they are, gang, and let's go and get these rubies, you know, that kind right. of thing. And then obviously, he disguises himself as the Maharaja because obviously, they didn't think he was being expected. But then he turns up out of the blue and crooks come into the hotel where TC is staying and they steal the fake diamonds and TC, you know, running away, he's, he bumps into the actual Maharaja and he gives him a real diamond. And obviously TC's thinking, oh, it's fake, it's fake. He ends up throwing it away. And Benny's like, hey, TC, did you not see the real Maharaja? And he's like, what are you talking about? And it's like, that was the real Maharaja who gave you all of those rubies. And he's basically thrown them in the Hudson, assuming Top Cat's based in New York. So he just chucks them away and it's like, you know, oh no, let's go, you know, let's see if we can find these, these sort of rubies. And again, yeah, so that, that episode is probably one that really springs to mind. Is there one for you? Uh, one that I like is the one, um, uh, where Benny, he, he has like a tonsillectomy. He's like in the hospital and they go like visit him. Okay. Uh, I think I know that one. That one. Probably uh, the episode is actually more about how Top Cat like uh, falls like for one of the nurses that works there. <laughs> oh, is this but, TC falls in love? Is yeah, it yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay, that okay, one. I think I know that one. But the gag of the cat in the hospital bed having a tonsillectomy is just so weird and so <laughs> funny to me. Like I can't get over how weird that joke is. I think yeah, but I think we've, as a yeah as. As a setup for this actual episode, like that's such a weird idea. Yeah, yeah, it really is. But I think with Top Cat, I think some of the episodes and some of the sort of themes that they kind of deal with, it's kind of seen as a replacement for like social commentary. Because in a way, yeah. it's kind of like every episode is just basically a get rich quick scheme. Top Cat's right. trying to improve his life, he's trying to get up out from his kind of situation. Obviously, they face a, a police officer who's always getting in there, getting in his way, stopping him. 
And then obviously the enforcement of social order so that, you know, the cat can't escape his current conditions, living in a bin, eating off of like whatever's left over in the bins. So I think in that kind of respect, it, it is kind of like a, a real close look at mo- like society of, of the day. Right. So that's uh, one thing about Top Cat that kind of really, um, that I really sort of take away from that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. Because um, it's interesting, too, that um, they're mostly get-rich schemes, but occasionally it diverts, like the one I was just talking about. Yeah, it's more yeah, about yeah. TC finding a girlfriend. But then yeah. there's also um, more than one, mm-hmm. but where uh, Dibble is, like, not around and they miss him. Yes. Like, the the one, uh, I don't remember if he retires or or he's just, like, on vacation or something. Yeah. But, like, he's replaced by, like, uh, oh, and there's a new one, and he's like really strict and tough, isn't yeah. he? They're like, you know, oh, we must get Dibble back as soon as yeah. possible. Yeah, right. I think it's like the sergeant's nephew or mm. kid or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. But they're like, this sucks. Dibble is better. Yeah. <laughs> better the better the devil you know, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And that's about like halfway through the series, and so it's really funny that like, you know, he's foiled a bunch of their plans, and it's sort of like the commentary on the state of things. But yet they're that they're like fighting against that yeah but then when they see how it's worse they're like oh uh, maybe we do want it the way it is yeah that's true and so the last thing i will say about top cat is that the actual top cat himself makes an appearance again in yogi's treasure hunt in the 80s which we may probably do somewhere down the line so i think he's kind of because i think every episode of yogi's treasure hunt was basically they all off to find some gold and he's mm-hmm. kind of like the one in the screen going, you know, hey, everybody, this is what you have to do to find the the gold and whatnot. But yeah, like Yogi right. Treasure Hunt will be something that we will do down the line. So let's uh, move on to the Pink Panther. Okay. I just had the theme in my head. So yeah. Do you know who composed it? Oh, yeah. Henry Mancini. Oh, that is incredible knowledge. Very well done. Yeah. He also um, composed and wrote Moon River, mm-hmm. which I found out recently. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Because, you know, Moon River is a, a great song. So, yeah. But yeah. I mean, and obviously, I yeah. Sorry. No, that's fine. You go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, the first Pink Panther film came out in 1963. Some of the world events included the Profumo scandal, which was basically in the UK. The War Minister John Profumo had an affair with Christina Wheeler, who was also involved with a Soviet Navy officer. I mean, that was that was crazy in 1963. Like it popped off in the UK. Everybody was just like, oh my god, this is it's a terrible scandal and this has never happened. It's preposterous. And, and obviously, you know, in 1963, was uh, JFK was assassinated in your hometown, in uh, Dallas. Uh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, and obviously that was when the Pink Panther made his debut in 1963 mm-hmm. with the with the first film. And obviously, the the Pink Panther is originally a, a diamond, which kind of has yeah. like the resemblance of a, a leaping, a leaping thing. So I think that that's kind of where the Pink Panther originates its kind of name from and then obviously you've got like inspector Jacques Clouseau who's like you know really really silly and daft and I think the one thing I will say about Pink Panther when it actually went to the Pink Panther show and when it went to 
you know, doing its own sort of cartoon shorts, is that I kind of feel cheated watching Pink Panther. Because as a kid, I used to just think that music, the way he is, just really aloof, tall. I just think, you know, he's really, really, he's a cool cat. He'll always, you know, get the better of whatever situation he's is involved with the little man or whoever. But now I'm watching Pink Panther. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Like, he's just a, <laughs> a blithering idiot. Everything yeah. that he does is just completely wrong, completely messed up. He never wins. He always gets mugged off. And, and I felt, you know what? I can't, I, I, I feel cheated. Right. Really, like, I'm watching it and I'm like, and Inspector Clouseau is, you know, he's even sillier than I remember because he's just another incompetent thing. And, you know, he's just completely just gets on the wrong end of everything and just everything just goes wrong with him. And he somehow just ends up solving every case, like completely by accident. And it's just like, you're an idiot still. But yeah, that's, 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 that's the one thing that I will say about Pink Panther. Yeah, and I also f- was surprised how the show is fairly just like straightforward. Mm. Like and go- going like for example, we were talking about Top Cat. There's some yeah. that have kind of like heart. Um, that doesn't really exist much in Pink Panther. It's pretty much just he's trying to scam or yeah, you know, get whatever this jewel thing or whatever it is yeah. and he lucks his way into it most of the time and he gets away yeah <laughs> i think um, in the first original film the jewel was stolen by i was going to say el fantasmo but the phantom yeah i was thinking spanish for some weird reason but yeah the, the phantom he basically steals the the diamond but it kind of ends up accidentally with clouseau and it's kind of like you know how is that kind of the case Cause obviously he's the bumbling police officer and I'm watching the films and I'm like, I don't, it's not that I don't like it. It's like, it's all a bit, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I kind of felt a bit weird with the Pink Panther. I feel like it doesn't age all that great. Some no. of the, the gags are still funny, but it's still mm. overall as a movie doesn't age that great. Well, you know, that comes into 2006, which was the, the Pink Panther film starring Beyonce as the girlfriend of the coach of the football team, who was Jason Statham, who was murdered. Yeah. I disliked that film so much, I didn't watch it to the end. So yeah, I have awful. no idea who kills that coach. So anybody who's listening wants to tell me who killed the coach, please do. I think. Or the- don't, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not good. It's really not good. And I'm thinking, I'm watching, I'm like, Steve Martin's better than this. I'm watching it. I'm thinking. Yeah, but he's really? also not. <laughs> I I don't know. I like Steve Martin. I think he's. I like him too. I mean, I love the jerk. You know, Father of the Bride. Like, yeah, there's a lot of movies of his that are great. Um, mm. but he's also done a lot of stuff that's crap, man. Such as the Pink Panther, right? And yeah, at the risk of Beyonce's beehive, beehive, whatever you lot are called. Obviously, I'm not having a dig at Beyonce. She just happened to stumble across being part of a film that was tripe. Yeah, and I mean, she hadn't really been in movies. Maybe that was even the first one. I don't remember exactly. Might have been in Austin Powers before, I think. You're right. That was the first one. But still, like, it's pretty early for her. Um, She wasn't like the Beyonce we know now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she did the soundtrack, which... 
obviously was maybe relatively successful. I think Check On It sure. was the the official theme song of the, uh, yeah, or not the theme song, but soundtrack to the Pink Panther film was was the Check On It song. So that was, and there was another song as well, which I right. can't remember. Again, Beyonce fans, you can tell me, and you can tell me the song, and you probably did watch the film. So yeah, do tell me who who killed the coach because I have no idea. And I have no idea who ended up with the diamond. Because obviously it was on his sort of hand, whatever, on his sort of ring finger. And obviously it kind of sort of starts with they win the big football match between France and China, which again is ridiculous because China are not a footballing club. So why the hell were China playing in a major tournament final, taking a team like France into extra time and golden goal, or they called it sudden death, which was quite apt that's what happened to Jason Statham he basically he snuffed it so right. that was that was that film in uh, in uh, 2006 so so do you in terms of like the the Pink Panther or Top Cat what would you say was the best theme song or what is the most memorable uh, well I mean the most memorable is definitely Pink Panther everyone knows that one but of course, I'm partial to the Top Cat theme song. Of course, songs. yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend, but if you ask anyone else, they're going to yeah. say, like, oh, yeah, they're going to be able to sing you, or hum, at least, the Pink Panther song. Yeah. They're not going to remember the Top Cat song. Uh, yeah, that, that that's true. That's true, yeah. And so, in terms of Pink Panther and Top Cat, what are we saying is the best? Or what is the Top Cat? Excuse the pun. Uh, well, definitely Top Cat for me. Like, I'm not even going to pretend, like... Uh, when I went back and watched some of the Pink Panther cartoons, like there's some stuff that I didn't remember. Like, yeah, um, I me watched, too. Uh, um, it's called uh, Pinkaboo. He actually like it's kind of like a Tom and Jerry cartoon where he's there's like a hungry mouse and he's like going back against the mouse, like oh, trying to take God. food out of the fridge. And so, like, it's kind of a weird thing that yeah. they're doing. Yeah. In this, because that one I looked it up is in from yeah. uh, 1966. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird that, like, occasionally they would, like, mess with the format and do stuff like that. But still, they never did anything to make you really, I don't know, like Pink Panther. Yeah. But you know what? The, the, it was, it's like I keep saying, like, when I was growing up, I honestly would remember in my head the Pink Panther just being this guy that would just, somehow always get out of the jam like someone will open the door and then someone's going oh there he is or the little man he'd be opening the door and then it would be pink panther somehow hiding and you just right. hear the background going and every time you're thinking oh man he got out of that jam and he did this and he did that but i'm watching it now so like the pink tail fly which is basically you know the pink panther can't sleep because of a tail fly Right. The episode ends with the tail fly being in the house and the Pink Panther outside. Like, right. I'm thinking, yeah. what is what is this? I'm, you're better than this. Oh, right. obviously, you're not. And again, Pinto Pink, where Pink Panther's trying to hitchhike a ride to Albuquerque. No, that's, that's Bugs Bunny. <laughs> um, but he's, <laughs> he's trying to hitchhike somewhere. And... He's and he sees a horse and he thinks, you know, what, I'm just gonna jump on this horse, and the horse is basically not having any of it, and yeah. that whole sort of five, six, seven minutes is basically the horse making the Pink Panther look like a complete div, yeah. and I'm watching that and I'm like, come on, not like this, not this is 
Right, and a lot of the episodes are like that, and I just didn't yeah, remember it being that way. Me too. Because they don't really play Pink Panther on something like Cartoon Network, so I hadn't seen it no, in a really no. long time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was sort of shocked at first, like, mm. what? I know. But I'm thinking it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna run on, right? It's gonna keep going. You, you're thinking, oh, it's gonna be ten minutes long, and in the ninth minute, the Pink Panther somehow is gonna do something really, really, really awesome. Yeah, no, it just a lot of them just kind of end. Mm. Yeah, uh, but they do like do some experimental stuff that is interesting, like more than something like Top Cat, since that's our matchup. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like there's one that I watched, um, Psychedelic Pink. I think I know. Which, by the way, I have to tell you, it's super annoying how they put pink in all the names. Yeah. Pink it seems like they spent pink more time fly. on the, the episode the names. Yeah. <laughs> like, they definitely spent more time on the episode names than some of the actual Probably, stories. probably. But it, anyway, Psychedelic Pink, he, like, goes in his bookshop. It's like a psychedelic bookshop, because this is the 60s. Mm. And everything is all, like, weird. It's like he's, like, tripping. Yeah. And, like, okay, that's interesting, but nothing really happens it's just kind of like yeah. he, he like trips out it's almost like he like read a book and like tripped out like he was on bad acid and then like it it ends yeah so i mean like i was like whoa i can't believe this is happening like it's like mm. it's really weird but i don't necessarily want to go watch more of it no last thing i'll say about pink panther because producer paul is basically telling me to shut up and get on with it um i wanted to say the pink blueprint again you're thinking because basically in the end of that episode, he's thinking, oh, my God, I've got a blue house and I'm going to change it to a pink blueprint. And the builder's going to use the pink blueprint. But in the end, it's a blue house. And even when right. he's winning, he's losing. Right. So, yeah, that's the, the last thing I'll say. And, yeah, I will say, yeah, Top Cat over Pink Panther any day of the week. I think Top Cat's aged well. I think Top Cat is cooler. I think he, he gets up to more things. And I think there's a sincerity to Top Cat. That I don't think the pink yeah, has. They they think Dibble is the worst, but then they actually throw him a birthday party and buy him gifts yeah. once. That's an entire episode of them having yeah. a birthday party for Dibble. Like that's so nice, right? That's more shows need to do things like that. Like that's great, absolutely. And yeah, we could we could talk about this and all this other stuff like all day, honestly. So I'm gonna bring it to an end here, and yeah, so. Honestly, please like, please rate, please subscribe, please listen to this podcast, download it. Whatever your podcast platform of choice is, you should be able to find Yesterday's Capers. You can follow us on Twitter at Yesterday Capers, apparently because I can't have enough characters on Twitter. So please do something about that Twitter. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Yesterday's Capers 1. And you can see all cool stuff like content, cartoons, all that good stuff. So honestly, check that out. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Catch us on the next episode. For those celebrating Eid next week, Sunday, Eid Mubarak. And Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, anytime. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Yesterday's Capers. 